The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 396. Have a special guest joining me tonight, first-time guest of the show. First time, should have been a long time ago, guest of the show. Uh, he does great work over at PitcherList.com. He does he does or did, you can correct me, a little work over at fantasy, uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits, uh, doing some curling stuff, which is amazing because, first, Justin Mason's a good friend of mine, a good friend of many, but uh, I thought Justin was joking about this, and then I saw, no, this gentleman and Justin were doing curling fantasy stuff, which I was like... More power to you guys. I love it. Um, any kind of niche thing you can find, I am in. Over at PitcherList.com, he, he's a writer. He's an editor. He's in charge of certain columns. He's a part of the Hacks and Jacks podcast on the PitcherList Podcast Network. I think I hit most of it. You can find him on Twitter at If the Cuff, uh, if the Chew Fits. Scott Chew, how are we doing? I'm doing great. That was such a great intro. I feel so important compared to what I actually, you know, my actual <laughs> level of importance. Yeah, the no, curling thing was fun too because I remember going to Justin and be like, hey, dude. Uh, I just went to the U.S. Curling Nationals in like 2019 and was like, no one's doing fantasy curling, so I'm going to try to invent it. Uh, if I do, can I have a podcast? He's like, yeah, dude, whatever. I don't care because, you know, it's Justin. It, Friends with Fantasy Benefits is great. It's like a big sandbox. You can do yep. whatever it is you're trying to do. So I got to know some pro curlers. I wound up in the Wall Street Journal for no particular reason because it just <laughs> so happened some dude was doing an article. His name's Ira, good writer, and he was doing an article on obscure fantasy sports at the exact time that I had done my first fantasy curling contest. That's so it was like me, fantasy sumo, fantasy Supreme Court, fantasy bird watching, and fantasy NASCAR, like together. <laughs> it was great. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, just like the really heavy hitters of the obscure fantasy sports circuit, I guess. We were all there. 
that's outstanding. That that's great to hear because yeah, there's like nowadays, you know, when, when uh, the lockdowns happen, all of a sudden esports have gone huge, and you got all these other like honestly, a, a guy that, that's been doing fantasy sports for a little while and played sports for a while and it's been around for a while. I never would have expected esports to be what it is. So that's why I say, you know, if you can find something you like, you find a passion for it, run with it. You never know what you're going to find. At worst, as we lead up to the Winter Olympics, you might get some curling fans get, getting involved. So that, that, that's, that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I've got like 250 Canadians that I keep mildly entertained a couple times a year uh, with fantasy curling. It's awesome. And that's great. I've, I've learned a lot. And of course, they're super nice, right? Bunch of Canadians. They're real, yeah. real helpful. Uh, it, it's it's not fun. Like I actually curl, but I'm just terrible, right? Like I'm probably as bad at curling as I would be at baseball, but it's a lot of fun. And, and really like the explosion of sports gambling has made a lot of things different. Like there's going to be a lot of curling gambling coming up for the winter Olympics, right? Cause yep. curling makes up like 70 plus percent of winter Olympics coverage. It's yes. insane. So there's going to be fancy curling, all kinds of it and a bunch of gambling on curling. And like I, betting on curling is like the most, 2021 thing you can do right 2022 just oh, like yeah. staring at your computer watching a sport that you maybe don't understand very well i play it i don't understand the strategy all that well but you're like yes sweep sweep <laughs> go 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 uh yeah no I, i've watched it because you're right it, it seems like we just witnessed it with the summer olympics we'll have the winter coming up and it's you know nbc has all their sister networks and they have all the different channels going on it seems like curling's like always on like cnbc or one of those it's like on 24 7 almost like you can always turn it on and you have curling on so you're right like if whenever you want to watch it and people will bet on anything right now so i could see that for sure because the way i visualize it i know i'm probably simplifying things there's way more to it because i've watched it but um it's like people it's like shuffleboard on your feet basically it feels like like you're trying to you know obviously there's more to it because you're sweeping and you're trying to maneuver the 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 what do they call it the, what they, it's the rock the stone the stone yep rock they're, stone yeah they're trying to get the stone so it's kind of but you're kind of trying to move guys out of place get closer to the center of those little things but it, it's pretty fun to watch I, i'm with you there um on the fantasy baseball side of things you're a busy man at pitcherlist.com um love you guys over there the people know by now i've had many on the show Big fan of everything that goes on over there. So uh, what are you working on these days? Because I know you're a busy man. Yeah, I actually do all the hitter stuff, all the stuff that Nick doesn't want to do, right? So uh, I, I'm i on the, the batter's box column where we cover – uh, like sort of interesting and top performances from the day before. Like usually you don't say a lot when, um, you know, like Fernando Tatis hits a home run. You're like, yeah, cool. Woo. You knew that already. So yeah. talk a lot about some of like the, the in-betweeners, like some, some guys we'll probably talk about on the show today. Like those are the ones that really stand out there. Uh, Hacks and Jack's podcast. It's mostly hitter focused. We talk a little bit pitching here and there, right? But we got this other podcast on the network that some dude named Nick and Alex do about pitching. So we try not to like step on their toes too much. No one listens to that show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I hadn't heard of them either, but you know, I, I was, I was told to kind of let them have their little space. So I love it. I love it. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad it's expanding though. It's pretty cool. It just, every year it's like a new launch of the site. It seems like there's like 30 new writers that come on. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. It's a quite the slew of awesomeness that takes place over there. And the content's great because it's not just always fantasy centric. It can be baseball centric with a fancy twist. It can be vice versa. You guys do like the kind of goofier fictional baseball stuff. Like there's just so much fun stuff just that a baseball fan can enjoy the website and it, it makes it pretty cool. So big fan of what you guys got there. Um, looking forward to seeing what's next. Cause it's always something they're always thinking Nick's mind never stops. So it'll be cool to see what you guys come up with next. 
Um, let's get into it. Um, as, as most know, Tuesdays is usually Bubba and the Bat Flip time, but Toby had a, an engagement he had to take care of this evening. So I have the pleasure of having Scott join me to recap some fab from the week. Uh, we usually go over the NFPC major movers and shakers of the week, and we'll give our thoughts on, you know, what do we think of the player? Would we have been aggressive? So on and so forth. And we'll go that route. So the top ad of the week in the NFBC was Nicky Lopez. That added in 255 leagues, as high as $111. I'm still amazed people have triple digits to spend on players at this point in the season. But Nicky Lopez coming off a week where he stole five bags. He was just yeah, he had the week of weeks and to top it off, got engaged over the weekend. So he's just he's just winning in all aspects of life. Uh, what's your thoughts on Nicky Lopez? Were you aggressive on grabbing him this week? Yeah, I actually was. I grabbed him in TGFBI, bid about 51 on him. You know, I actually had a collection of fab because I have lost a lot of bids this year. Uh, that's usually how you end up with all that, you know? That so does do it. Lost, lost a lot of bids. But I really like Nicky Lopez for a couple of reasons. Like, on one hand, if you want to be a pessimist, you can say like, oh, well, Alberto Mondesi is coming back eventually. But we've been saying that all year and it hasn't really done anything. And here we are, you know, 113 games later, Nicky Lopez still in the starting lineup. Uh, what I really like are a couple things. Number one, the Royals don't have a whole lot of ways to score runs. They, mm-hmm. They're not good in like the one big power bat they had coming into the year. He's gone too, right? Like Jorge Soler has gone. There's not much here. They've got to run. Because as much as you can say, like, this team just wants to see what they have and they give up, like, this is still a group of 25 professional athletes. They're not trying to lose games, right? They're not trying to, like, they want to win every game they can. It's not very many, but they want to win every game they can. One way they do that is they let guys like Nicky Lopez run, right? The Royals are second in stolen bases over the last month, um, just only behind the Oakland Athletics because Starling Marte <laughs> is stealing, like, a team's worth of bases by himself. But Nicky Lopez stealing tons of bases, And what's crazy is he hasn't been caught yet this year. Mm -hmm. Nobody's caught Nicky Lopez. So like, he's not this like crazy Jorge Mateo speedster, right? But he goes at the right times. Uh, Kansas city actually has a really good conversion rate on those stolen bases. Uh, It's not quite 80%, but it's pretty darn close. Uh, Not like, you know, the Padres have stole the most bases in baseball this year, but they've been caught way more often, right? Cause they're just running and they've got guys who are fast, but you get caught because you can be fast and not be great at stealing bases. Nicky Lopez is fast enough to steal lots of bases and they've got nothing else for him to do. Every time he gets on base, they're going to let him run. It's always going to be in the back of the mind because they need to keep pitchers off balance and their bats probably aren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just how it goes. And he's hitting second uh, just about every day and he's going to run. And it, even if he goes to the bottom of the order, he's still going to run. Yep. They, they don't have a lot of other options. So that's what I loved about it. He can slap the ball around and run. You know, he's not a good ad for power. He's not a good ad for counting stats but he is a good ad for stolen bases. And that's one of those stats this time of year where you might be sitting in a bunch, right? Like between you and four points up is like three stolen bases, right? Two stolen bases. Even you got a bunch of people tied. You can move a long way with just a few steals. And a guy like Nicky Lopez, he hurts you a little in power, I guess, but he's not going to kill you on the average like a Jorge Mateo. Bingo. Yeah, no, I'm a big Nicky Lopez fan. It's ironic that Fabapalooza a couple of years ago, he was like the, oh, well, I, I got stuck with Nicky Lopez because I didn't get any other players. And, you know, he didn't turn out to be too great then. But, and I was even, I'll, I'm guilty for it when uh, Mondesi first went down. I'm like, we just saw Bobby Witt tear up spring training. It's like, let Bobby play. And he still tore up every level of the minors so far. So he's still hitting. But Lopez is showing that there was pedigree there. And the Royals are kind of smart on this one because, like you said, is, you know, this late in the season, we're looking at certain categories. I know you guys talked about it on a recent uh, Hacks and Jacks podcast, and we'll talk about it kind of a little bit throughout the show. But 
finding stolen bases can be very difficult at times, especially in bunches. And, and Nicky Lopez is going to do that because you mentioned he runs. And the art of stealing is something that's not like talked about enough because look at his teammate Whit Merrifield, who's leading the world in stolen bases outside of Starling Marte. And he finally got caught like a couple of weeks ago for the first time all season. And it was very, very close. I remember I was actually somehow watching that game out of nowhere, a Royals game. Don't know why, but um, he, he almost got that. So it, it's really interesting to see that the, and so he's probably learning from a guy like Witt because you talk about um, there's certain players like Ricky Henderson, the A's still bring him back to teach guys how to steal. Sure, Ricky was fast, but there's a reason he stole so many bases because he there's a there's an art to it. There's a reason why Albert Pujols can still steal a couple bases even at this time of his life because you just know when to do to go because they're not doing paying attention to you or whatever. So I think it's it's a very good point there on Nicky Lopez and the other points you made. Sure, he's not going to for a lot of power, but hitting second, he's scoring runs over the last ten games. He scored seven runs and he hit three seventy eight. The dude is going to hit for average. Which it, which is outstanding to add on to it because most like you said, Jorge Mateos and other guys you'll add are going to be straight just kind of you know dumps to the rest of your statistical categories where he's going to help you in probably three categories for the rest of the way. So I think there's a lot to like there. I wouldn't be worried about Mondesi because even when he does come back, they're not going to play him every day. They've already said that um, they can't because he'll probably just hurt himself again. So Lopez should play for you more often than not. And I think he's going to be a nice ad going forward. So I think it's, it's one of those later season ads that could be quite beneficial barring something really odd taking place. Yeah. And I think the last thing I'd say is he's got hit tool, not a ton, yep. but it's like a 45, 50 hit tool. And when you're looking at those, like his speed tool is not that impressive. It's like a, you know, 55, 50 kind of thing. But if they, if they've got that hit tool, they're going to get chances because you know, they're not telling, you know, Nikki Lopez walks a bit, right? 9.1%, but He's trying to slap the ball, put it in play. He's not going to hit a double. So if he's getting second base, he's probably getting there himself and he's probably mm-hmm. stealing. So yeah, I just, I just love the situation he's in and there's so much to take advantage of, especially in a division that doesn't stop running games terribly well. Yep. Totally agree. Um, next guy that was added most often, Paul Sewold or Seawald. Is it Seawald or Sewold? I feel very bad for Seth. It's Sewold, right? I mean, I should have asked Mikey Ahedo before. He would know. Yes, he would know, but I don't. I've been saying uh, Seawald. Okay. But there's no way that's right. So, yeah. yeah, I feel bad, and I know Chris, Mister Baseball Pods, you can you can correct me later because uh, I, I should have read the uh, the book you you emailed to me. I'm just I feel bad about this. But he was added in 216 leagues, as high as 82. dollars I we'll, we'll kind of go over some of our ads this week, but I grabbed them in a couple leagues. Uh, first off, when Kendall Graveman was traded, everyone's like, "Sweet, it's his chance." Then they went and got Diego Castillo. Sewell, he's that high leverage reliever. And now with Castillo getting hurt, he's getting chances again. Over the last seven games, he has three saves, picked up two wins, 12 Ks in seven and two-thirds innings. All season long, he's been a ratio asset and a, stole, and a strikeout machine, throwing in some other stats there. So I was pretty happy to grab him where I could. What are your thoughts on him going forward? Yeah, I grabbed him too, right? Like that was the second priority bid. I had Nicky Lopez, and then I had then I had uh, Swalt here because, again, what I like about guys, you know, at this stage of the season, we're going to run into a lot of committees or like at least, you know, timeshares even if it's not a committee committee it's like 75 percent one guy 25 percent another guy when i'm looking at players like that what i really want is okay if you don't get me a save that night what else can you give me what swell does is strike a bunch of dudes out right you're getting at least one strikeout every time he comes in right in fact that's been true of every appearance this month Every appearance he's made this month has been at least one inning and he's gotten at least one strikeout. And on two occasions, he got three and four, right? Like he strikes a bunch of dudes out. He doesn't walk very many, right? Like since the all-star break, 27 strikeouts, two walks, right? Like that's what I want because yeah, he's going to blow up here and there, 
right? Uh, he had a bit of a problem right after the all-star break, which is probably why uh, he didn't get a whole lot of saves for like a, you know, two, two weeks or so, but he's back at it. And again, if he's not getting me a save, can he get anything else? It's yeah. so hard to get the guys that are save only. Like you hate one category players. Yeah. Just like, I mean, I keep picking on him, even though I'm sure he's a heck of a guy and an amazing athlete. Jorge Mateo is a one tool player. He has speed and he has a lot of it. And that's it. Paul Swald can will right now will get saves for a team that if they win, it ain't by much. Exactly. Right? They are scrapping and surviving. I think I, last I looked, they still had a negative run differential. Like it's insane. So he's going to get saves like back in the day, Joaquin Soria would get a ton of saves for a bad Royals team. Cause every time they won, it was by two runs. And again, if he doesn't get the save, he's probably going to get you some ratios or at least some strikeouts. And you're trying to move in those categories. It's never a dead spot. Whereas, you know, again, lots of guys out there you can get that might get a save or two, but you know, hopefully they strike a guy out with Paul Swald. He's striking somebody out. It might be more than one. I love that. Yep, I'm 100% with you. Uh, Paul Sewell is the guy that I was even interested when Graveman was closing because of the other aspects you mentioned might get you a win, which have been hard to come by. The strikeouts, the ratios, they're all going to be great. So I was a big fan of all of that. Now you throw – now he's the closer uh, more often than not in there, and that just ups things because the Mariners are actually sneaky good. Like, not great, but they're sneaky good. Like, they're, they're competitive in games, like you mentioned, when they win, likely going to be um, low-scoring, at least close games which is always something to look at. You mentioned walking Soria back in the day. I've I've mentioned in previous shows, at least early in the draft season, I, go and get one of the big closers if you want. And then I like to target guys on bad teams because when they do win, they win close games, and that leads you to the saves you're looking for. So I, I think Sewell's a great ad going forward. I don't see me dropping him anytime for the rest of the season because even in, when Castillo comes back, he's going to get plenty of uh, help to your, your roster. So I was very, very happy to grab him where I could. I was honestly surprised to see him available as often as I did. I thought he was already kind of scooped up a while ago, but uh, he was still hanging around there. I was quite happy about that. I mean, I think one reality we have to face in a lot of leagues, and like I think all of us, you know, say that, yo, yeah, I'm super passionate fantasy baseball player. Yeah. People have checked out. Yeah. Definitely. So you're really not competing against as many people for free agent ads. And you'd be amazed. Like you can see a guy like, oh, it says he's, you know, 50% owned. Take a look because yeah. it might not be one of yours because the people that would have needed what that player can provide might not be trying to play anymore, right? They yeah. might be focused on the 13,000 fantasy football drafts they have right now, uh, which I know is a bit cliche to say, but it's true. And you can yeah. absolutely do those things. Like I got five players in my TGFBI league because I mean, a lot of people, some guys have dropped out because it's a roto league and there's just not much left for them. And also because like the people, like the things, you know, early in the season, we all want saves, but at this point in the season, not everyone is prioritizing saves. They're letting them go. You can make a lower bid or like, I don't remember the last time we had a $100 winning bid in my TGFBI league. It's been a while like, for yeah, sure. It, it, you know, I think it was probably July. That was probably the last time we had one. Uh, and I don't know if we'll have another one partially because people don't have that much fab and partially because like you don't need to, you, yeah. if you bid 50 bucks in a $1,000 fab league right now, $5 in a 100, you're probably winning that player. Yep. Because, More often than not. Yeah. Between a lack of resources and a lack of interest in whatever that player brings to the table. Like how many people were you really competing with right now for Nikki Lopez? How many managers are really thinking like, I need more steals. Yeah. Some of them aren't right. They had to prioritize other stuff. So uh, that's, I mean, that's what I kind of felt with Swell. I was like, yeah, I want him. And I bet I don't have to bid very much to get him because people are prioritizing other stats, particularly yeah. things like, you know, streaming pitchers or hot hitters, guys who have new roles. But like Swalt's role is not that new, right? Like he's kind of been in the mix and 
the fact that he's out there now just meant I didn't have to bid very much. Yeah, hundred percent worth it. I mean, I did anyway. But yeah, well, because if you have the money, make sure you get him. Don't don't lose that bid on a guy of of his talent. It's not like you're going out there and you know bidding on a platoon outfielder or something. You're bidding on a guy that you know is going to be in the role and hopefully get you you know three to four appearances a week. The way they use him, that could be five plus innings. The way they use him, and that's a lot of strikeouts and whatever else he brings you. So that's tremendous this time of the year for for any fantasy roster. So I, I agree with that. And yeah, people have checked out because we'll go over bids and um, I've been doing dollar days lately and I'm getting players. I never thought I'd ever get like, it, it's, it's unbelievable how, it, how it's playing out. So it, it, it's crazy. You can definitely, that's why I always say put your keep them honest bids out there. Cause you'll be surprised on what shows up on your roster. You'd be amazed at how many people you keep honest with two bucks. Yep. yep. <laughs> like yeah, a lot of people, a lot of yep. good players could have been had for $2 that, that the rest of us didn't. And I'm even guilty of that sometimes. Right. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I think, the other thing that that's going on there is you can't take it with you. You can't nope. bequeath that fab and a will, right? Like it's gone at the end of the season, spend it. And, and yep. who cares if it's a stupid, like the player's not that good. You don't need the player to be that good. You need him to be that good for two weeks. Yep. You need right now for three weeks. we're at the point of the season where like you can play the hot hand card and if he doesn't work, you drop him and you go to the next guy. Cause you're just looking for that guy to run hot for you for a week or two, get you the stats you need and then move on that you're not looking for a six month or a three month rental or something you're looking for now and move on from there. So with you hundred percent, and that's what makes um, some of these names, people like, Oh, why'd they add these guys? And that, that's why I like get streaming pictures. It's Nikki Lopez is stealing a ton of bases. We need Nikki Lopez and stuff along those lines. So I'm a hundred percent with you on that one. Like this next guy, for instance, Jake Myers, Jake Myers guarantee. And not many people know who Jake Myers is, but he was at 196 leagues as high as $56. Um, over the last couple of weeks, he's hitting 333 for the Astros, three home runs. Only concern I will have is on Tuesday, uh, Kyle Tucker was activated from the COVID IL. So we'll have to see how his playing time plays out. Uh, so I wasn't super in on Jake Myers. Did you have any interest in a guy like Jake Myers? I didn't. And that was because I had, you know, I, there wasn't a whole lot of news that was coming out about Kyle Tucker. And with the COVID IL, I found that like no news is sort of good news. It yep. just means that they're getting better. So uh, with him, the one thing that's nice is in very deep leagues, you know, I'm thinking like I've got a, you know, I've got a 30 team, 30 team uh, league I'm in because I'm sadistic and just felt like doing that. But like, what's nice is Chas McCormick. Well, it's not nice. Chas McCormick did go down, which means he's got room on the bench for now. Right. Mm -hmm. And if he hits, they're going to let him play. Right. Uh, at least every once in a while, like the outfield's a little bit crowded, but uh, you know, he did break out quite a bit this season in triple uh, a, he had been a lot better than we'd seen in the low, you know, in the lower minors. So something that happened maybe in like the, you know, in 2020, when we didn't have eyes on him and didn't have stats, like something must've happened because he's running more really than he had before. He's hitting for more power than he had hit before. A lot of things were clicking. I mean, he had 144 WRC plus in triple a, and I think the one thing I always try to say whenever I talk about AAA numbers, don't just look at the slash line. These leagues can be really skewed for offensive production, but WRC plus is an awesome stat for it because it's league adjusted. Yep. So if you look at WRC plus, you can see how much better he was than his peers. Love that. So 144, he's 44% better than his average peer in AAA. And sure, the average AAA player is not a fantasy mover and shaker, but it does say like, yeah, that line that you see isn't just like because he hits in tiny ballparks and great, you know, great pit, uh, hitting parks. He's actually doing better than everyone else. Even if the hitting environment's good, he's doing it better. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. He's doing it better. I will uh, caution that his bad bip is through the roof in the minors and in the big. So that's going to be regression. But a lot of the regression numbers, even on the, you know, the Savant page, 
it's still good numbers. It's not like he's crushing you. So like you mentioned, he is much better. He's 16 homers and 10 stolen bases in AAA. That's, that's a market improvement, like you mentioned, from previous seasons. He's always been kind of a base stealer, but the power increase, and we've seen it time and time again, that he's only 25, almost 26. He's young. He's developing. Um, it's definitely a guy to remember come next season if you're doing your best ball drafts as we kind of see where the Astros continue to go. And like you said, if he's hitting, they're going to play him because Tucker's there, but McCormick's out. Um, they they have moving pieces and they have a lot of guys that they need to rest as they because they pretty much locked up the postseason like they're in barring some crazy run by the the A's who are kind of stumbling themselves so the Astros can kind of start playing that let's rest our guys thing let's keep Jordan out of the outfield let's do stuff like that and, and we'll see how it goes so definitely something to uh to keep in mind with Jake Myers I could see him having some moments throughout the year I'm just curious to see what the playing time looks like once uh, Tucker is back like he was activated on Tuesday still wasn't in the lineup. So that's something to keep an eye on, which is weird. But um, they, maybe they're going to baby him back into the lineup as well to kind of get him comfortable. So a couple of things to keep an eye on. And Alex Bregman might be back shortly. It looks like he's finally starting to rehab, and it's going well. Like his re- He's had so many hiccups in the rehab. Looks like that's starting to point in the right direction too. So more moving pieces in Houston. But again, great team, great offense. If he's going to be playing, especially in deeper leagues like you mentioned, he's worth a roster spot, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the Babbitt thing is really important to keep in mind. It, it does indicate some things. I will say he had a weird change in his uh, his batted ball profiles over the last few years. Really, what he did was he turned a lot of infield fly balls into line drives, which is obviously a much better result. So, like, it's okay if his Babbitt's a little elevated, but it shouldn't be this high. Yeah. Right. It's hard to say exactly where it should be. There are some expected Babbitt numbers that you can sort of whip up using some uh, some crazy savant searches, but. Uh, it's, it's an interesting thing to see. And like you said, you know, the opportunities might be drying up, but in deeper leagues, especially if it's, you know, if it's not weekly fab, kick the tire, see what happens. One guy goes down, he's got, he's got a job in a good lineup. No doubt about it. I'm I'm with you hundred percent on that one. Uh, the next most added guy. And again, I'm kind of surprised Nestor Cortez jr. Is available in so many leagues because I feel like we've talked about him for a couple weeks in a row now, but picked up in 140 leagues as high as $84. He's been outstanding as they started to stretch him out. Last couple starts, over six innings in each start, seven Ks in each start. Like they're kind of just slowly building up the pitch count, five innings, five innings, five innings. Finally got let loose the last couple of times, and he's looked outstanding. And one of those starts was even against the White Sox, who we know it's lefties very, very well. So I like what I've seen from Nestor Cortez. I'm no pitching guru, but I'm a big fan, especially in a world where wins are hard to come by these days, and he strikes out a ton of guys. So this is a, this is a thing that I, I like. I like Nestor Cortez. I tried to grab him where I could. What's your thoughts on Cortez? Yeah, I mean, a guy who's hot and on a good team is like automatic at this time in the season, right? His true talent, you know, true talent doesn't matter as much right now. Like it does, like we want to know how good players are, right? Like knowing how good Wander Franco is, is very helpful when he has slumps, but true talent matters less than opportunity right now. And it matters less than, quite frankly, heat, right? If a guy's hot, he's hot. It's really hard to use statistics to differentiate a hot hitter from a super talented one. Right. It's really difficult because, you know, yeah, the bab, you know, for some guys, the Babbitt's high in a, in a short period because he just keeps smoking, you know, line drives yeah. to the gap. Of course, his Babbitt's high, right? Exactly. Like, or he's hitting a bunch of dingers. Like yeah. they're leaving. Or he's Giancarlo Stanton hits the ball 120 miles on the ground. Those are going to find holes a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, a, a great example of that is uh, Avisayo Garcia. That's what he does. Yeah. He pounds yep. really hard grounders and they don't bounce to like right before the poor third baseman. They got to figure out, you know, they hope it doesn't hit them. They're right? praying. Like, yeah. So would you smoke some? I think one thing, you know, just to 
plug a little picture list stuff here, even though you did a great job of it earlier. One thing that's really cool we've added to the site is that if you go to a player, so if you type in pitcherlist.com slash player slash Nestor dash Cortez, right? If you do that, you'll go to his player page. And we actually have a game log, which is really cool because if you open up the game log, you'll see the pitch types, the uses, the usage, like the CSW on each pitch type. You also get pitching guru Nick Pollock's blurb on that player from the last SP roundup. Right. So the last time Cortez starts, I can read exactly what Nick had to say about Cortez that time. So it's really useful when you're trying to figure out like what's going on with this player. Why is he so hot? Nick does a nice job calling out that the command for Cortez is just amazing right now. He's putting the ball exactly where he wants it. And player, it'd be a very big surprise for Cortez to do that over a long period of time. So like eventually that might fall off, but it might not happen next week, right? Like just because we know regression is coming doesn't mean it's coming next week. That's the hardest thing is knowing when the regression will happen, if ever, right? Because by the time regression comes, he might've changed a skill. So it's really difficult to figure that out, but at least I can see, okay, Nick says the command is really on right now. And one day it might fall off, but one day doesn't have to be today. And if I need a spot starter, and he's got a good matchup. That's exactly what I'm doing is I'm going to go grab Nestor Cortez. And the, the other thing is, is he's out there on a winning team right now. That's just, they're on fire to, to just put it lightly. The only concern I have, and I, I still, I've wanted to roster him everywhere, but like something to keep in the back of your guys' mind is Corey Kluber's coming back soon. Uh, Domingo Herman might be coming back soon. They're going to baby these guys in there. Cause again, they're going to pretty much lock up a postseason berth here pretty soon, like either wild card or East, like it's going to happen. So they're going to want to have those guys available as well. So it might kind of, you know, they might use piggybacking or something, but Cortez should be good to go for a while. So I, I'm a big fan of his and run him out there until he's not the guy anymore. But I think he's he's going to have some great matchups coming up. I think a really good uh, good add on the fab uh, waiver wire for the time being. There's been more pitching injuries this season than like ever before, ever. Yeah, so yeah, we can say like, yeah, some guys are getting healthy again, but that doesn't mean someone else isn't going to go down. Sure. Worry sure. about like at this point in the season, worry about that day when it comes. 100%. Worry about the loss of the job when it comes. Same for Nikki Lopez. Yeah, yeah. Mondesi might come back. I'll worry about that when he does. He can prove to me that he's actually going to play. Then I'll worry about, well, now what do I do with Nikki Lopez? Until then, I'm starting him. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. Uh, next ad is was an interesting one because I'm, I'm a fan of Daniel Lynch. He had that little, little couple starts with us earlier in the year. Big-time prospect. Didn't go so well. We've seen that many times already this season. But he went back to the minors, looked outstanding, and he's come back up with the Royals. He was out, added in 136 leagues. But uh, since his return, he's thrown uh, five innings or more in uh, five of his six starts, three in runs or less in each start. He has five or more Ks in four straight starts, back-to-back starts against the Astros, the Yankees, the White Sox, and the Blue Jays. Like He's not facing the lightest path on the planet right now. So he's pitching pretty darn good overall. Uh, you know, the ERAs, the XFIPs and all that, they're still saying there's there might be some luck taking place here, but I, I like what I'm seeing with Daniel Lynch. The prospect pedigree is there with Daniel Lynch. And I think he's definitely worth streaming viabilities because he's faced that murderer's row, but you got to think central. He's going to get some Indians. He's going to get some Tigers. He's going to get some nice matchups down the stretch here. So I think he's not a bad ad out there, and you can get him very cheap in a lot of leagues. Yeah, and that's really, like, the key. I love seeing a player like like. Was I going to start Daniel Lynch and these Houston starts and the Yankees start and the White Sox start and the Toronto start? No, probably not. Like in a deep league, I might be stuck with like an, you know, an AL only because I need the innings pitched or something like that. But otherwise, I'm not starting him. That doesn't mean I'm not watching. Right. And when a player does this well, it doesn't necessarily mean I want to start him for the next one, too. Although if I had, I would be doing great. Right. 
Uh, And maybe I think in some points leagues I did where I had him because like, you know, in a lot of points leagues, you can't be hurt that badly as long as they're okay. But really what we're seeing is like, again, fastball command. So he's got excellent command really with the heater, especially up in the zone, which helps a lot. Uh, Something he really worked on. Teams haven't been able to really hit him that hard since then. So that's a big plus. And again, the the Royals are going to let him throw. It's not like they got a whole bunch of pitchers waiting to come up that they really want to see, right? Like this is the guy they want to see. This is the guy they want to have pitch. Uh, The end of the season is always interesting because you get a lot of divisional play. You see a ton of divisional play, especially in September. And that's going to be really good for him, right? Because how many offenses are scary in the AL Central, right? It's one, exactly one, right? The White Sox, they're a little tough. And the Tigers can be scrappy at times, right? But I am starting Daniel Lynch every time he faces the Tigers. Like, yep. There's one offense where I think, oh, should I start him? The the White Sox. That's it. And that's you know one of the four teams. He's got a lot of games coming up against not the White Sox. And you know I, I'm all over it. I think the one thing I'd be doing here, and I wish I would have done it right before the show and sounded really smart, but I didn't, uh, is one thing you really want to do this time of year isn't just look at like the next start. Look at the yep. next couple of starts. Right. Because what's going to happen is a lot of your league mates are going to be looking at, okay, who are the guys, you know, what are the starts this week? Who's, who's everyone pitching against this week? Get them, you know, get that guy a week ahead of time. Like, oh yeah, he had these two of the Astros, but what if the next starts a soft one? What if he's got two or three soft starts ahead of that? I know that um, the ESPN fantasy forecaster lets you see out 10 days, gives you a decent idea of what, you know, who we think these pitchers are going to face at pitcher list. We have an article that comes out that talks about the next four starts, of um you know at every week we release one it's the next four starts that's what you want to know right like i'm a like an undeniable Tarek scoobal fanatic right love <laughs> Tarek scoobal love everything about them the lefty the big leg kick i i love it right but he's got the blue jay like he had to face the blue jays twice in a row and i knew it ahead of time right so i was actually okay cutting him because you know what i knew my league mates even though they know i love scoobal they're not going to add him they're not going to have Scooble sit, you know, sit on their bench and have two starts against the Blue Jays. I got to cut him, pick up somebody else, do some spot starts, and then I went back and grabbed him. Right? It was right. it's beautiful. Right? That's how you're like you got to use the calendar a little more than just like who's next, who's the next team. I like looking, you know, the next two or three series. That's how long I'm trying to stream a guy. Some positions I might go series to series in like a daily league at catcher. I might just go series to series until something good pops up, but in these deeper leagues, what are the next two or three starts, three or four starts, right? You don't have to like, just, you only have to know how to count to five, right? Like, yeah, things are probably going to get messed up, but if you can basically count to five, look at the schedule count. Like, Oh, Ooh, yeah. This looks like he's going to, he's going to skip that, uh, that trip to course. This is great. Or like a couple weeks ago, you would have been real smart to grab those Colorado pitchers that were doing all right because they had this long road trip in front of them, right? You yep. didn't have to worry about course. They're going back soon, but, and then you can make that decision and see who else is available. Cause you probably weren't thinking about Nestor Cortez four weeks ago. Right. So that's how you use that calendar. That's how you get ahead is you just, just look a little further, not much, just a little, see what's out there. You can get the guys first and they'll all be like, man, how did the, I can't believe he's already owned. He was only, he was only rostered in, you know, 92% of leagues. Yep. And I'm one of the 8% because I saw that he had, you know, super soft matchups, three of them coming. All I had to do was bench him for this one bad one. Yep. That's one of my favorite things to do, especially if you have room to sit guys on your bench, which some people don't this year because it's been crazy, especially in uh, no IL format leagues. But I love looking ahead a week or two and start grabbing guys with like good two starts or good this or that and, and statue them because you get them for like a buck and no one's paying attention to it, like you said. So that, that's a fun one that um, I've done many times this year. And it's helped me a ton. 
and guys like Lynch. Um, you mentioned Scooble. I picked him up last week somewhere for like three dollars because people just gave up on him and they didn't notice that. Oh wait, they're letting him pitch again. They're not. They're not resting him anymore. So actually, that was Mize, but Scooble's kind of turned the corner, as you know, as a Scooble stand. So um, I, I'm a big fan of what he has as well. But Lynch, I, I like. I like him a lot. I think he's very intriguing. And the, the schedule's huge. You saw last year with Kansas City uh, pitchers like Singer a bit. Um, and they, and they had a couple other guys that were actually fantasy productive in September. That's just the way it worked. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see Lynch and some other guys put some pretty nice starts together out there. And even with the White Sox, they've almost clinched their playoff spot already. So they're going to be kind of having some interesting lineups in September as well. That might be a little more uh, you know, exciting to put Lynch out there and, and see how it goes. So, yeah, we'll see how that one plays out for sure. Let's go to the Cincinnati Reds on this one. Michael Lorenzen was added in a total of 135 leagues as high as $81. He's been great. Back-to-back saves in his last two outings. He has three saves over the last like week or so. He hasn't given up a, a run all season, which has been impressive um, since he came back on July 17th, 12 Ks and 13 innings pitch. The caveat I, I will mention when it comes to uh, good old Michael Lorenzen, this is why I've kind of avoided the Reds' closing situation for a while. A, TJ Antone got activated on Tuesday to make it even more fun, but you go to like a roster resource. Lorenzen, Michael Givens, who's been good, TJ Anton, Amir Garrett, Lucas Sims is there. They have so many options to close games. It's like a, a Chinese fire drill at times there. So what's your thoughts when you're looking at a guy like Michael Lorenzen as, as a potential ad, as people are probably adding him to get saves? I mean, you hate seeing, like, when you pull up the roster, like, oh, I wonder, oh, a committee, but how big is it? When it's a four-guy committee, yeah. that's really tough. I mean, that's some, that's some raised shenanigans going on, yep. right? Which makes it really difficult. Again, the nice thing with the Renz, and we kind of talked about this with Sewald, is when he plays, he's giving you something, right? Like, you always get something. You're not going to get the same level of something that Sewald gave you. Uh, he's just not that level. But there are good ratios there. So like in a 15-team league, it is useful. And you can so you can sort of gamble on the saves. Uh, of course, what, four or five days ago, we were talking about how Michael Givens was the guy who's gotten a save in his last three, four appearances, right? So that's really difficult to deal with. TJ Antone might be the next one. So um, I'm avoiding it in the 10 and 12 teamers where I can go and just get like a full-time closer on a bad team. You know, I can go get like a can't think of one off the top of my head, but like, like Alex Colomay like out there and stuff. There's a lot of guys out there. David in those Bednar, teamers. Yeah. Right. Like he's Tyler out Clippard, there. Go get him. <laughs> yeah. Go get him. That's fine. In the 15 teamers, you gotta, I mean, you're, you're kind of like, I think this guy could get saves and mm. the team's red hot. Their schedule coming up. Isn't terribly intimidating, right? Like that's what I'm doing. We talk, we talk about streaming pitchers all the time. I'm not sure. Like as a community, we talk enough about streaming everything else. You can stream anything that you want. Yep. You can stream for positions. You can stream for stat categories. You can stream whatever you want. And if you're trying to stream saves, what you're doing is, yeah, okay, so I'm going to have to grab like a guy who's maybe in a closer committee. But what teams is he facing? What teams does this team face over the next 10, 15 days? Right? What are the next two or three series? Because if a team like the Reds has really soft matchups coming up or you know someone else, I mean, like right now, uh, they uh, the Reds are – at Milwaukee, then they're at Miami, then they're uh, at home against St. Louis. There's saves in there, a bunch yeah, of them. Definitely. Right? Someone's going to get them. So go, like, Lorenzen, if he's getting them right now, go ahead, right? The the fab bid you're going to have to make isn't that high because, one, we already talked about it. There's not as many people bidding for them. And, two, everyone else that really wants them probably sees that it's a four-person committee. But yep. how many saves do you need, right? How many saves a week do you need from him for it to be a good ad? Probably one. You need him to get one save that week as long as you didn't dump a bunch of fab. 
if you only threw like five bucks out there, you get that one save. And then you find out, oh, it looks like TJ Antone's going to take over. Cut him and get someone else and get one more save. Go get TJ Antone. He's probably still out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like you you only really need the one. Take it week to week for now, series to series or two series, you know, two to three series at a time. You will get where you need to go. There's like, I know the season's ending, but there's still time to climb standings, especially if you're being smart about it, looking at those standings and seeing Mm -hmm. like, where do I have points that I can afford to give up and not prioritize? And what are the ones that I need to prioritize to get the most points with the least amount of effort saves yeah. and steals are usually where that's at. It might not be in your league. Sometimes you'll find that like it's batting average. And there's like four of you that are within like one, you know, two or three, one thousandths of a point from each other yeah. because baseball's weird. And that's just what happens. Right. Uh, go, you know, prioritize on those things and get those players, but that's what you can do right now. And it's going to help you pay the least amount of fab for the most amount of robo roto points and that's what you're trying to do right now 100 agree it's it's you can stream saves um like wins uh strikeouts i know in one of my nfbc leagues this week i benched my three closers that i have there and put like four two-start guys and other starting pitchers i have 11 starts this week because i just want all the strikeouts and win potential i can get we'll see what happens my ratios are kind of where they are i'm not going to lose or, or win a ton of points in there but like again you're streaming to get the stats you can get and see where your team goes. You got to be looking at the stats for now. And it's one thing I've told people, like, even if you can't win the whole thing, there's a thing called pride, at least the way I play fantasy baseball. Like if I can get from eighth to sixth by the end of the season, I'm a big fan of that. So keep fighting for what you can do. And if guys are giving up in your leagues, it'll make it a little easier for you. So that can make it fun. And if anything, don't give up because it makes it easier for the guys up top too. So keep keep the integrity of the league is what I would say. So stream where you can. And and the other point you made is some people grab a closer and like, oh, man, I should have had like three saves this week. In this world of baseball we live in right now with all these committees, if your guy gets you one save a week, you're doing pretty good. So just count on that and and move from there. If you're getting two plus a week, you're doing great. So that's a a good option there. And and Lorenzen will get you some high leverage situations at worst. So like that quite a bit. Uh, Frank Schwindel. Adding 128 leagues as high as $87. That has to be close to the rest of the leagues that did not own Frank Schwindel already because he's been a popular commodity in the month of August, basically since the trade deadline, since he started playing every day, hitting 366, four home runs, uh, striking out 18% of the time, walking a bit too. And now he's hitting second over like the last 10 plus games. So he's hitting right behind Rafael Ortega, right in front of guys like Wilson Contreras and others. Again, we've said it with some other guys playing every day, good spot in the order. He's productive. I, I've had no reason why not to roster him anywhere. He's first base only in NFBCs, but like in Yahoo, he's got outfield eligibility, which is tremendous. So, um, yeah, if, if you needed the power asset and, and, and you needed a guy like this, Schwindel was him. I didn't really need him on a lot of my rosters, but I get why people did. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I didn't need him in a lot of rosters. Uh, power's been something that I've been pretty good at finding this season. You know, with Frank Schwindel, one thing that's really interesting about him, uh, he's a journeyman. He's been all over the place but it's actually not as many places as you think because teams keep bringing him back. He was a Royal. Then he went to the Tigers. Then the Royals brought him back. Then the Tigers brought him back. Then the Cubs, then the athletics, then the Cubs again. Right now. What's really interesting when you do this, like I'm not an amazing scout. I'm not Shelly Verstrade. I'm not one of these other people, but teams don't bring back guys that they think have no potential or that they think can't be useful players. Like they had the look. If they brought him back, it means something. And a lot of teams have brought Frank Schwindel back, right? Now, right now, the Cubs just don't have other options. They traded everything of value, right? Like, there's never been a cheaper time to go to Wrigley right now because nobody else is there. There's not a lot to watch. But uh, Frank Schwindel is giving you something to watch, first of all. And second, like, 
he's going to play and he's going to hit in the middle of that order because who else is going to? Yep. What else? Like they don't have other options. And he's a guy that they were familiar with. And he's a guy that, you know, lots of teams have seen something they like. I wish I could tell you what it was. You know, some amazing scout. And I, I had the inside connections. I don't. But teams don't bring guys back for no reason. You don't see players go back to certain teams very often, especially as quickly as he jumped around to these teams. Right. And it's not like it was a bunch of like, he hasn't been a rule five pick six times. Right. Yeah. Like he's, he's going back to these teams because they want him and he appears in the major leagues for them multiple times. There's a reason for that because these teams have prospects with more pedigree than Frank Schwindel. I assure you, right. He was never more than like a 40 future value guy, but, these teams keep bringing him back because he's got something and he's showing it right now. This is something that these teams have all seen and he just happens to be doing it for the Cubs. Yep. I'm with you hundred percent there. And people always like to point out, not always, but a bunch of people like to point out, Oh, but he's on a bad team. He still hits, gets four at bats a game. And we've seen many players like on the tigers and the pirates, very fantasy relevant. It's, it's, it's still productive. They're still major league baseball players. And I hate to break it to people, but a lot of starting pitching these days is not good. So they're going to have good matchups more often than not. So especially in the central. And so that's something to definitely keep in mind with Schwindel. I think we'll be still pretty productive the rest of the way. I mean, I think there's one stat that it's not one of the five hitting categories, but it's like the most important one to all five hitting categories. It's plate appearances. Yep. How many other number one, two, three, four hitters are on the wire right now? Right. Yep. Yeah. They're all on bad teams, but they get plate appearances. You to get runs, to get RBI, to get whatever it is you need to get stolen bases. You need plate appearances, right? Like unless you're Terrence Gore and just pinch run every game late, <laughs> like you need plate appearances to get those yep. stats. And Frank Schwindel's getting plate appearances. Like anyone that's played in AL or NL only league, they know they're what it's huge. like to sort just by plate appearances. Yep. I don't care what the stats are. Are you playing? Cause then you have a chance. Yep. Right. Like that's why uh, like we have certain catchers that just always are like Jacob Stallings is always like a guy who ends up being somebody's catcher in a two catcher league because of plate appearances. Yep, plate appearances matter now more than ever, because unless you're in a league that caps plate appearances, you want as many as you can get because yep. that's how you get all the counting stats. That's where they come from is plate appearances. So Frank Schmidt, who's on a bad team. Yeah. And he hits at the top of the freaking order for him. Yep. Right? Like how many he's guys got, are out there? He's that got can hit 78. Home he's got 78 plate appearances in his 20 games in August. So nearly four a game. That seems pretty good to me. Give me four yeah. at bats a game. He's going to put up numbers for you one way or another. I'll, I'll take the extra plate appearance every game. Then, oh, well, this guy's yeah. batting ninth for the Yankees. I don't care if Rugnan Odor is batting ninth for the Yankees because Shundwell is a similar talent, right? And he bats third, fourth, second, right? Yeah. Give me that every time. 100% agree. 100% agree. A couple more names that stood out as some, some high ads this week. Miles Mikolas is back. He got picked up in 128 leagues as high as $74. He's made two starts off the IL, total of nine innings. Um, one and run, three runs total, striking out eight over those nine innings, three walks. Uh, he's a guy that I've always had issues like getting right in previous seasons because you know his first season, he looked dominant. He was getting stuff done. Next time around, he couldn't strike out guys. A lot of pitched contact, got in trouble. Uh, so I was kind of concerned, plus this injury wasn't making me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. But he's back. We know the pedigree's there. He's on the, the Cardinals, which is going to be a competitive baseball team. I wasn't aggressive with on him this week because I kind of wanted some other guys that I felt more comfortable. Like I'd rather go in for like a Lynch or some of these other guys. But what's your thoughts on Miles Mikolas? What's the word on the pitcher list street on Michael's Miles Mikolas? So like the talent, the talent level's always been kind of similar, right? Because what he is is he's an accumulator. Yep. He throws innings, right? Yep. He's an older guy. He's an Adam Wainwright light, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And he's even on the team, right? Like that's mm -hmm. exactly what they wanted. Uh, 
that's what he's going to do. Like, are there going to be tons of wins? Like, generally speaking, no, right? Because you think, oh, well, over the course of world season, the Cardinals, like, you know, they're not going to win that many games. But, like, right now was a great time because this, like, one of the reasons you'd add him, like, somewhat recently is because it was Pirates, Tigers, Pirates. Those were those were three series he had in a row. Like, yeah, I want any start he makes in that period of time, right? And, and it just so happens his last starts have been against, like, the Cubs and then Pirates. You know, those are the things I want. You know, looking ahead, rougher schedule coming up. That's actually one of the reasons I stayed away because yep. an accumulator is great unless it's, like, you know, the, the next series coming up. Uh, so after he, uh, he's got a series with the Tigers right now, then the pirates for the Cardinals and then it's and then, Reds yeah. and then Brewers in Milwaukee at Cincinnati it's, too. It's at Cincinnati yeah, to make it's at it Cincinnati, worse. <laughs> it's at Brewers. And then it's home against the Dodgers and then yeah. the Reds. No, I'm home. good. <laughs> and then he gets the Mets and then he gets the Padres and then he gets the Brewers again in Milwaukee. Yeah. And then eventually it'll be better, but like not yet. Right. Like it's no. going to be pretty ugly. And if I, I don't want to add an, at a guy where I'm going to hem and haw over his start after one start, yep. right? Like I, I might put a bid out there for the one start, especially in leagues where you can like bench everybody after, you know, Friday. Right. Uh, whereas, you know, in a lot of TGFBI, a lot of NFBC, you can't change your pitching. So yeah. that would be tough because you got to leave them in there. Uh, but yeah, the, the upcoming schedule, we've talked about using the calendar, the upcoming schedule, like was really good for a short period of time. And now that's going to be ending soon. And at that point, I'm never starting Michaelis against the Dodgers. I just know there's the, the upside is so little, like you're really hoping for that weird eight innings pitched three strikeout game. And if that's what you're gambling on, why are you gambling? Yeah. Three strikeouts. I hate to break it to people aren't going to help you this time of year. So you need those guys with, I'd rather go for a, a, a Lynch who might give up three or four and six innings, but strike out six. Like I'll take my chances there and see what happens. A couple more here. Scott Barlow, speaking of Michael Lorenzen, Scott Barlow's another one that kind of finds this ilk two saves over his last three outings. We saw earlier in the year, he had some save chances. Then it went to other guys. Like there's like, I think it's seven or eight guys on the Royals now have multiple saves. So it's, it's been a kind of raise type situation, but Bartle has been pretty effective overall the season, 74 K's and 60 innings pitched two five, five ERA three, four, seven X FIP strikeouts have been good. Walks have been okay. I uh, got eight saves overall. Wasn't all in on him, but I get it. If you needed saves, I understand it. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally understand it. Actually, this was a guy I brought up in the Hacks and Jacks podcast on Monday morning. The team is awful, right? We know that. We know that the Royals are not good. Uh, but he's their best ninth inning guy. Uh, the only real competition he has right now is a lefty with a high walk rate. Like the two things that traditional managers just don't like in a closer. So uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, he if he is in a lot of tight games, I know he had uh, the Mariners coming up. He's got the Orioles coming up a lot more of the AL central, a lot of games that like, you know, the Royal I'm never betting on the Royals to win, but if they were going to win, it's going to be against the teams they're playing upcoming, right? Like they have a lot of teams on their schedule coming up that they can beat. And if they're going to beat them, they're probably going to need Scott Barlow in the back of that bullpen to help them secure that win because when you're a team like the Royals who doesn't win very many games and you've got a chance to win one you're like oh my gosh put the best guy we have in for God's sake let me go home feeling good about playing baseball for once right like it's a a little depressing and they're you know they're pro athletes they can deal with it but (laughs) that's a real thing right like please like you don't they show up to work every day they got to sit there for three hours they're not trying to lose right they're going to a lot but when they can win they're going to want to do it I think Barlow's their best chance to do it uh, he's got, you know, he's got the good, he's got the good strikeout arms. He can do that. Uh, he can do a couple other things. I like Swall better. Uh, mm-hmm, Barlow's sort of like, yeah. yeah Swall uh, Barlow's like the 
sort of the discount version because his team's even worse. Uh, and he's got a little bit more volatility uh, than like Sawald has shown. He's not quite as good at the things that Sawald can do, but he's there. He's available. He was my backup bid on every league where I bid on Sawal. I then bid on Barlow right behind okay. him. I get that. Uh, that 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 logic makes sense to me. If people are just going straight for Barlow, I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. But Barlow was a guy that going into the season, a lot of smart people were like, hey, if you're in like you know draft champions, best balls, grab some Scott Barlow because he should be getting saved at some point in the season, and he has off and on because he's been a very good re- reliever overall, and kind of like Sewald was, and um, now he's getting his chance. The difference with Sewell is it's uh, I don't see anybody kind of taking saves away from him where Barlow could. So I I, I like your strategy in that, and that's kind of another thing people don't do nearly enough is they, they put a bid in on one player and they forget to kind of back that bid up. And that's one thing. It's like, okay, so I lost this guy. What do I do? Oh, I still have the guys I wanted to drop this week. That kind of is a bummer. So uh, that's a good move on, on backing him up. The last guy I had on the list here was Eli Morgan, who since the month uh, since July – He's uh, gone five innings or more and all but one start, three in runs or less and all but one start, a uh, handful of strikeouts. On Tuesday night, though, four and a third, eight hits, four runs, two walks, four Ks, and a home run. Got chased early in that one, so not the best of starts, but he was added in 102 leagues. He was the last triple-digit league add for as high as $41. You know, he had the two-step uh, uh, this week. I guess one of the big reasons – he was added because besides this start tonight, I got it right here. He has Boston this weekend, so that that's a bummer. But then even next week, he's at Boston again. So, what's your thoughts on Eli Morgan? Because it seemed like it was a two-start, you know, dart throw and kind of walk away. Yeah, it's a real bummer. He couldn't get it done against Texas because that's probably why you added him. That was Definitely. the start you wanted. You wanted yep. this one at home against the Rangers because they are terrible, right? Like an almost irredeemable lineup right now, and the fact that he couldn't get it done there. Uh, if, if you can't get it done at home against Texas, am I starting you for two games against Boston? Probably not. No, no. Right. Like maybe, you know, I'll, I'll wait to see like maybe what Nick has to say. It's like, Oh, it's just this one tiny thing. But even then why, you know, yeah. there are more streamers out there this time of year. Definitely. Why take a guy who, uh, yeah, he'd been good against mostly, you know, lesser competition. I mean, la- you know, his last game, which was really good. It was against Minnesota. Then he got beat up by, you know, he gotten beaten up by Oakland the time before that. And then he did good against the Tigers. Then he did, you know, he had some good competition a little further away. Uh, it's not that he's been bad, but two starts against Boston. Why? Yep. Got to be a real deep league where I need the innings pitched. And even yep. then, is there nobody, nobody else that might it's have a softer like, matchup? It's like at that point, I'm like, can I find a middle reliever? Like, I, I, give me Johnny Loisiga. Like, I'll take him right now. Like, so think, look for guys like that is who I'd be targeting. Oh yeah, yes, Myro Petit is always out there. Yes, exactly. He's always out there to be Seth Lugo, somebody. Yeah, that half a starter instead of like the the full starter that could blow you up, right? Like just, you know, if Petit gets blown up for a week, it's because he gave up like two runs. You can stomach it. You'll get by, right? Uh, You can survive that. So, you know, I, I wish I was more excited. I'm sure there's people that are, but with the combination of the rough start against the Rangers and the two much more difficult starts coming up, I'm just kind of disinterested. 100% agree with you on that one. Uh, Let's talk about some of the top ads and drops we had for the week. Who were some of the main targets for you as you were uh, making some fab acquisitions this week? Yeah, so we talked about several of them, right? Like Swald was a big one. Nicky Lopez was a big one. Another guy in some of my deeper leagues that I went after because he was available in over 90% of Yahoo and ESPN leagues, guy I referenced very briefly a second ago, David Bednar. Right. Yep. So the Pirates had soft matchups uh, coming into the week. They were going to face the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals. 
right? Their saves yet. Again, Pirates are not going to beat many teams, but they can scrape a couple wins away from the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals. So he's the best option they had in the pen. Uh, he was looking like sort of the closer for them right now. It's not a good team. Uh, but even after, so even after this Diamondbacks and Cardinals, he's got a two game set with the White Sox. And then after that, it's Cubs, Tigers, Nats. Those are more games that the, if the Pirates are going to win games, that's who they're going to be against. So uh, that was one I picked up in very deep leagues. Um, other than that, like some of my shallower ones, Tanner Hoke was out there. Uh, you know, he, he, he had the twins today. I haven't seen how that went yet. Um, and then he's got Cleveland coming up. So, so that was one I really liked. And, um, Bradley Zimmer, uh, from the team that will you know soon be known as the guardians. Um, he, he runs, right. He's a former first rounder forever ago. Those of us who have been playing the game a long time. Kind of remember there's a little bit of hype around Bradley Zimmer. Uh, you know, he, you know, coming into the coming into the week he had three home runs and four steals in august um the plate discipline isn't great the power's a little light but hey speed's out there and you missed on nicky lopez or you just didn't have room uh in the middle infield that was one and then finally in the again um the last two guys i'll say one in shallower leagues if luis arias is in any mm-hmm. leagues that's out there for you right now uh fix that and add him there's surely someone you have you know arias doesn't get a ton of love because he doesn't have a ton of power or a ton of speed, but he does a little bit of everything. He hits a lot of singles and doubles uh, for, and he's going to be hitting towards the top of this lineup. Cause you know, it's not as crowded as it was earlier in the season. Right. So uh, he's a guy I really like, uh, did you know that since a, you know, he's been hurt a little bit, but yeah. Luis Arias has not had back-to-back starts without a hit since April. That's impressive. Like, <laughs> and, and you know, it's really weird. I guess it shows the twins injuries and trades and everything. He's hitting like third or fourth most days in that lineup. Him and Polanco are hitting in the middle of that yeah. order. It's just like, whew. <laughs> I mean, that's not how we talked about it back in March, no. right? No, like, no. He's like, the guy. Gonna... Yeah, go hit 330 and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, like we were like, these guys are going to fight each other for plate appearances, and now they're batting yeah. like a third and cleanup, right? So uh, baseball is a weird game. But So yeah. in shallower leagues, I'm doing that. And then in some of the deeper leagues, um, I've got a huge soft spot soft spot for Shelly V. I think she's amazing. She's the one that told me about Scooble the first time. And I got mm-hmm. super pumped. Um, she used to love Carter Keyboom, and yeah. it's been and a Carter real Keyboom up and down Carter. journey for Carl Carter Keyboom, and that he's come up and then he's been sent back down, right? Like it's not been good, but he's doing better right now. Last I looked, it was a 128 WRC plus on the month. You know, I, I didn't see how he did yesterday, but, uh, he, sh- he finally showed like some power a little bit mm-hmm. and he's going to play the Nats have nothing else to play for besides seeing what they've got in a guy like Carter Keyboom, who at one point was like a top fantasy prospect. Yep. So this is a good time to sort of kick the tires on some of these guys that used to be a prospect. Uh, Lewis Brinson in shallow leagues was a guy that you know, he's on a cold streak right now, but take a look at those guys. There was a reason we were excited about them at one point. And just because they didn't pan out then doesn't mean they can't pan out now. You know, the classic cheesy examples like a JD Martinez. People liked him, and then he just couldn't do it. And then, of course, he became his own hitting coach and became amazing. <laughs> yep. But uh, some of these guys, they might not be that level, but they can make a run at it again and become a useful fantasy player, even if they're never what we had hoped they'd be. Yep, 100% agree. I, I like a lot of those calls. Actually, Tanner Houck, I've I picked up in a lot of leagues. He went four and a third tonight, six Ks, three runs. Uh, they keep stretching him out. But on the bright side is he's always going to get you strikeouts, which is great. But they did announce today he's in the rotation for the rest of the season, it looks like. So that's like there's no more yo-yoing. So that that feels very, very nice to see. But um, I added Nestor Cortez in TGFBI, and I also added Phil Gosselin. Deep league, I didn't like him as much for this week. He only played five games. But I looked at the total package of Gosselin over the last couple of weeks, hitting over three, like 320 almost. 
Uh, he's got a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, and more importantly, like we've talked about with many guys, he's hitting third, fourth, or fifth every day in the Angels lineup. And for some, and if you don't want to just roster him, because I said it on this show many times, my outfielders just can't stay healthy to save my life. So Gosselin's a guy to put out there. If they're going to face a lot of lefties for a week, just go look at his lefty numbers. It's ridiculous how Phil Gosselin uh, hits against left-handed pitching. So that that's one reason to go at him. He's not a must-add, but in deep, deep leagues. And then uh, another league I added, another Nestor Cortez and Paul Sewell. And that one, I got Sewell for $2. $2. That was like, wow. That's a good one. Then I got him for um, – in uh, another league, I added – okay, here's a here's – a, let me pull up his player page real quick. I was doing some deep diving because I need some middle infield help, and you mentioned uh, Lewis Brenton of the Miami Marlins. I added Ison Diaz um, from the Miami Marlins, and this was strictly because middle infield help. But if you go back go – let's just go to August 8th because that was when he kind of – he had a, two no-hit games prior to that. But we'll go to uh, August 8th. Let's mix this up here on the old fangrafts.com. And um, Ison Diaz has hit safely in all but three games since then. He's hitting 300 home runs, stolen base, playing every day, hitting sixth-ish in that lineup. But another prospect pedigree guy that you can kind of see what they got, see what the Marlins got. So he was a deep league. Give me some middle infield help on that one. And then last but not least in my last NFBC league, um, another Paul Sewell for $3. I got him for $3 and $2 in the two leagues I got him for. Nesta Cortez. So, again, not a, not a super busy week for me in FAB, but those were my main targets. I have Tanner Hoke in a lot of leagues. I've had – I just – I've refused to drop him from previous times picking him up because I'm like, they need to pitch him. They just need to pitch him. He's too good to sit in AAA. So, um, those were my main moves this week, and uh, we'll see what this – it's it's dollar days for me pretty much. I, I rarely bid double digits anymore because I just can't. So, that's the world we live in. But uh, it'll be fun going forward. Uh, a couple other things to, to chat about real quick. I know on your recent podcast, you guys talked about how to use the calendar. You mentioned it a few times on this episode already because it's very true. I know Toby and I mentioned we like to use the RotoWire 14-day forecast for pitchers. Um, I, cause I, I'm not smart enough to get a whole calendar out and do all the work, which you guys are smart enough to do. But um, I like to look ahead in that regard. You look ahead even farther, it sounds like. How do you go about it? Like, say, when you're looking at fab, what's your process for evaluating the calendar and what you're looking for? Yeah. So, like, when you look, you're, you're we're often, when we're talking about using the calendar, we're often talking about these guys that are like middling, like these guys that probably are on the wire in most cases. And when is a, you know, as my other, you know, as one of my bosses, Nick Powell could call them, when is a Toby it's most expensive? Not, of course, the Toby that's not just, but like, you know, Toby, when are they the most expensive? When they're a two-star guy, you know, when they're real cheap, the week before they're a two-star guy, right? Like if a guy starts on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there's a chance that he's a two-starter next week, yep. right? Take a look, you know, you just have to see like, do they, if they have too many off days, you'll kind of know it's not going to work out, but take a look, get them then that, especially in these dollar days times that like in a lot of leagues, a lot of us are doing, if you're going to get them for a dollar, it's not going to be the week he's a two-star guy. It's not going to be the week when every single person like us is saying like, oh, look, it's, you know, it's Pirates and, you know, Pirates Cubs this week. You got to get them. You got to get them. That's when he's expensive because someone's like, well, I'm desperate. I'll throw, you know, I've got 300 bucks in fab left. Here's 40 bucks, right? I'll just get them, yep. right? They're not doing that the week before. They're not doing it until it's slapping them right in the face. And it sounds simple, but it's amazing how simple things can get you a long way in fantasy baseball because, you know, either people are turning focus to football, so they can't, they don't have the time to devote to look that far ahead. Maybe they never really did because early in the season, it didn't make quite as much sense. Like, you know, you're not using your resources that way early in the season. It all kind of balance, like schedules all balance out. 
guess what? They don't balance out anymore. Teams have easier schedules than others. It's easy to find out who they are just by looking at them. You don't even have to be a genius. Just Google like St. Louis Cardinals schedule and see what comes up. Yep. If they've got a bunch of, you know, if there's a bunch of landmines in there, be like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll take those guys week to week. But there's going to be other times where you're like, oh, whoa, there's a whole bunch of soft stuff coming up, right? I want it now because I don't want to be hearing about how he's hitting 400 the last two weeks and now I'm adding him. I want to be like, yeah, I know, right? He's been in my lineup or maybe he's been on my bench, which means no one else is getting it, right? Uh, And then, you know, but there is a balance. Like we do talk about true talent because we just talked about, you know, the ice ice on Diaz's of the world where we're like, hey, look, this was a prospect pedigree guy. I'll I'll go at him. But, you know, there's, there's that strategy, which is also very useful. And then there's the, I don't care what the true talent is. He's got a role and he's hitting and a bunch of soft teams coming. Right. Like those are the two strategies you can use at the same time that they don't like cancel each other out. They're not, you know, they don't conflict with each other. Do them both. That's how you get ahead, especially in these roto leagues where you got to chip away at things. That's where you do it. Or, you know, head to head leagues like you still need all the categories all the time. So go get them. Do it just like that. And and don't, you know, I I feel bad because a lot of people, you know, I don't want to say a lot. I'm not that famous. Most people haven't heard of me, but uh, I do get, you know, DMS in Twitter or on discord with pitcher list. And they say, which of these guys is better rest of season. And unless it's like two big time players, I'm usually saying, I don't know, but this one's got a softer schedule the next two weeks. And that's probably the more helpful advice because Mm -hmm. yeah, sure. This guy's more talented as a pitcher, but he's got the Dodgers and Astros coming up. I don't care if he's more talented. I don't want him. Right, give me the lesser picture with the better matchups. I'm a hundred. I, I, I sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but the question you got there, I, I I feel you on that one because I've got I get so many questions like that in DMs or something. I'm like, well, I can give you this kind of like a, a a nonchalant answer if you want, but there's like so many levels to like these mediocre meddling players that you <laughs> to, to answer your question that like even even your 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 team format. It can affect how we're going about this question that I can't just like, like you said, if it's two great players, okay, yeah, I want this guy. Sure. Like if I, Bryce Harper or one, so who do you want? Okay. We can start talking about that, but yeah, you have two kind of middle pack guys. It's a deeper question than, than just pick one. Yeah. Cause like really, you know, in March in April and may, that was a really important question, right? Yeah. Cause people were thinking about trades or they were like, okay, I'm trying to lock down my third outfielder or something. This guy or this guy at this point, who cares? What, yep. What's rest of season, like a little over a month. And if you're trying to get into playoffs and head to head leagues, it's a lot less than that. You've got like two or three weeks. Who cares about who's the better true talent player rest of season? It doesn't matter because yep. you're only playing for the next three to six weeks. So play for the next three to six weeks. You know, yep. again, I feel bad because it sounds like simplistic. And there's a reason people are asking that question because that's the right analysis in not the end of August. Right. Like that was the exact right analysis two months ago today. Change it. It's okay. This is actually easier. Uh, it's actually, did I say baseball strangely easier late in the season? Oh, because definitely. You, don't have to, you don't have to worry about every variable. You're only worried about a very finite number of them. You can really isolate them. Nikki Lopez was a much, if he was doing this in May, it's a much harder ad. Cause you're like, Oh, I can't get sandbagged by this. Uh, sometimes bad batting average and lack of power in may because i'm competing in every category but right now you're not competing in every category great there are cliffs right like there's a bunch of cliffs like i've got one league where i don't care about power anymore because i am the huge cliff i'm the number one in power and it's way more i I got very fortunate throughout the season it's way more so i want all of nikki lopez because he didn't need to hit me a single home run 
I can have a whole week without a home run and not really feel any pressure, right? Because I've just got so many more, but I could sure use the help and steals. I don't worry about every variable anymore. I don't care about overall who's better. It doesn't matter. What I care about is who is better in the things I actually need right now. And that's a much easier question to answer, especially if you know, you have an idea of where you are. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great point. Cause like we, we kind of said it many different ways is the hot hand, the matchups, the team needs, like there's a, 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 glut, a litany of things that right now works where, like you said, back in May, do you want you, A, you'd have to pay probably way too much money for Nicky Lopez, which would make your head kind of scratch. Like, should I do it? B, I think we're all smart enough to know that he's not going to stay this hot the entire season, but he could stay hot for like three more weeks. Which is which is all you're looking for, so it, it kind of changes your perception on what you want to do with him. So that that does make things very interesting, and, and it it's, goes for the pitchers too. Like we've talked about some of these guys, uh, Miles Mikolas, he might be a good pitcher. The next three to four starts don't look great, so no, Daniel Lynch, maybe. Like there's there's some interesting some options there. So it, it varies. Like like if going into the season, if Miles Mikolas is healthy, the the question of Miles Mikolas or Daniel Lynch much more interesting. But right now, you look at the couple of things, and you're like, okay, this is pretty easy on paper looking at these two right now. Big, big differences, like you said, this time of year. And it is kind of easier, at least for me. Like I know some people do deep, deep analysis still and look for certain like avenues to certain player success. But I am, I'm very guilty of going, I want the hot hand, and I want my team needs for the stats I need. I really don't care how – like the ice on Diaz thing, I could cut him on Sunday. If, if he's that bad, but someone else shows up on the waiver wire, I'm cool with it. I spent $2 on the guy because one thing we mentioned, dollar days, if you spend $1, you might tie. $2, you rarely will. So that's just something to think about if you can do it. Um, but I'm not afraid to cut these guys, and you shouldn't be right now. So it, it's definitely something worth giving a shot. I'm with you there. Yeah, I mean, I think like one of the one of the ultimate examples is there's nothing that is exciting to me about Steven Matz. Right. He is I've rostered him too many times in my life. Yeah. He's the absolute definition right now of like just a guy. But guess what? On Friday, he's at Detroit. And then next Wednesday, he's at home against Baltimore. Kind yep, of that looks like pretty good, doesn't it? Wins, mm-hmm. You know, anything else he gives me is gravy. Right. But if I'm chasing wins, which who isn't chasing wins right now, kind of looks like Matt's is about to get two of them. Yep. He's got a real yep. good shot. I mean, as good a shot as anybody out there right now. Right. That, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how simple the game is right now. I don't have to worry about how many times Stephen Matz has burned me by being an average major league pitcher, which, you know, caveat, that's still an amazing pitcher in real life, but in fantasy, it's not. So uh, I don't have to worry about Stephen Matz's true talent. Uh, my my other boss, Nick Pollock, he calls it Vargas rule, right? Yep. Like who cares how good they are? They're good right now and you need them right now. And it's never truer than it is at this moment. So like, I'm thinking about Steven Matz in 15 team leagues uh, that especially the ones that have like daily moves where I can do this uh, because Detroit Baltimore, I want that. I want any pitcher whose next two starts are Detroit Baltimore. That's just yep. the way it works. That That's fantasy baseball in a nutshell. I want them. And it happens to be Matz. Yeah. You're, you're a hundred percent on, on that one. Like I'm just kind of scrolling through the next couple of weeks and, and there's some interesting ones. Like a, a pitcher I really want nothing to do with right now is Mitch Keller. Like he just, he's, not, he's just not clicking any of the boxes right now. And next week he has two starts. One's at the White Sox, which is terrifying, but one's at the Cubs, which is kind of intriguing. I'm not saying go out and add the guy, but you start looking at different options. The, the Twins, next week Bailey Ober is at Detroit and at Tampa Bay. He's shown some signs of life at times. He's also shown some signs of getting beat up at times. So 
it just it, it makes things interesting. But again, your team dependency, your your way, can you bench him for the first start, play him for the second start? Things along those lines can be can be quite interesting for sure. All right, I have a listener question for you. It, it's a very good one. I think you know this guy. You've mentioned him a few times, Mister Nick Pollock. He wants to know what are your five biggest hopes, dreams, fears, and regrets. Yeah, so um, I've been thinking about this question ever since he posted it because he's a real jerk for giving me like a hard one. I he's probably going to hate this answer, but uh, it's actually it's it's one thing uh, that I was thinking about today. That's all of them, and it's sort of been diving deeper into fantasy baseball. It's been all of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a regret because it takes a lot of my time, a lot of my energy. Uh, and at times it can be a real drag when you have a terrible, like I'll tell you early this season, my leagues, the thing that's supposed to make me feel good about what I'm doing, they were all <laughs> terrible. All of them. I was like, why do I do this? Why, why do I write anything? Like, why does anyone care what I have to say? I'm terrible, right? It's gotten better. Uh, I've worked hard at it, but like, it's also been like a dream. Like I've gotten to meet, like I'm on bench with Bubba. That's cool. Right. Like <laughs> this is a podcast I've listened to. And here I am. Right. Like that's cool. Right. Like I get to do stuff like this. I work with Nick Pollock. Uh, we, you know, we've got this guy who uh, he's some big hotshot at ESPN now, but Alex, Fast, <laughs> I, to, I went to, I hung out with fast back when we like pitcherless had to meet up and in New York, I got to hang out with him. Like, that's cool. He's been on ESPN, right? Like mm-hmm. it's been awesome. Uh, but also like, it's kind of all of those things because you can just do a lot with this. Like if it wasn't for uh, an uptick in some COVID things and some work stuff, like I'd be going to first pitch Arizona because it's yeah. awesome. And we just, I get to talk about baseball with a bunch of baseball nerds who are there to nerd out about baseball. It's not yeah. like I saw, you know, Saris at a random bar and cornered him and be like, so I heard you like fantasy <laughs> baseball, right? Like I get to see him and be like, Hey, I know why you're here. It's to talk about fantasy baseball. Let's talk about fantasy baseball, yep. right? Like, it's it's really fun, but it's it's such a roller coaster. So, like, any if you play, it's a lot of fun. like if you play and you're thinking about writing, like that's cool. But if you play, just have fun. Like, just do that, right? Yeah. Like, a part of you sometimes wishes like I I enjoy my leagues a lot more uh, because it's almost like the more you do the analysis, like sometimes the more you have to be detached from your leagues too, because it's like. I really need to talk about like this player and it's not a fit for my, like my teams or like, I don't roster him in any league, but I still have to pay more attention to him. Or like I have a, I love, like I play fantasy baseball for fun mostly. Mm-hmm. And so like Akil Badu and Tarek Skubal, they've been on my rosters as long as possible. And as a fantasy analyst, that's not always the right move. Like he probably wasn't worth the DL spot. I used on him in several leagues for this long because uh, I'm in the middle of the pack in the standings. I needed other things going on. And it was a very limited DL league, right? I only had like two or three spots and Akil Badu is probably not what I should have used it on, but I did anyway, because if I'm going to win a league, I want to do it with Akil Badu, right? So uh, that's fun, but it's, it's been just like a wild ride. I started out writing DFS blurbs at um, uh, daily baseball data for free. Like I was just glad a guy let me email him word docs and put them on the internet. Right. Like that was, that was the extent of it. Now I, I work at picture list and you know, you know, I look around, they're a little legit now, which is kind of yes, cool. Like are. it's not, not anything I've done, but it's cool to be there. Right. <laughs> so I, 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 would, I would give yourself a little more credit yeah, than that. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's also like strangers talk to me about something I like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's hard to do. Right. Like usually yeah, when strangers they respect talk to you our internet, opinion on yeah, something weird, right like yeah. i've got a whole house of people that don't right so yeah. like, like weird that like i've got all these people that are regular life who don't care about my opinion so yep. i go on the internet and they do that's backwards yep. probably yep. but here we are and it's a lot of fun so uh you know i don't like that i'm at 2 a.m staring at a glowing screen being like so tell me more about tyler mcgill 
right? Like that's, that's probably not the, you know, there's probably so many things about my house. It could be a lot in, in a lot better shape if I wasn't doing that, but I am and I love it. Right. Yeah. So it, it's this weird, you know, Nick asking that specifically kind of made me think like, is, is it fantasy baseball? Is that my hope, my dream, my regret? Is that, is that what it is? Right. That so is I've got a such... day job and all this stuff, but. That's such an amazing answer because when you explained it, like you hit so many of my like my my thoughts, my heartstrings. I'm just like, yeah, I've I've every thought basically you spit out there. I'm like, yeah, uh huh, yeah, okay. Like it checks all. Like I literally like a month ago, like you get that middle of the season or so where you're kind of like you're just spent. You're like, I've been doing this and I'm just exhausted. As so I was, I've been DMing. I was DMing some guys, getting their thoughts on things. Like, should I focus on this? Should I focus on this? I don't know if I should be doing all this. Like, all this stuff. And it's like, in the end, I tell myself, well, I love doing it. Like, if I give up this part of it, well, there's a group of people that actually enjoy my content there. So that really stinks. And there's the over here. So it's like, as long as I can do it and everything around me can still kind of do its thing, we're going to roll. But uh, I'm with you. It, it is kind of funny. Like, one of your lines made me laugh so much because I'll record in my office here. Then I'll go out there and my daughter and my wife are like watching TV or doing dinner or whatever. And I'll, I'll try to tell her something about the show or baseball or something. She go, uh-huh. Zero clue, zero interest at all. And I'm sitting there like geeking out about it, and she'll just be like, "Yeah, I'm glad you enjoy it." And <laughs> that's like that's like the, the gist of it. And it's it's just so funny the way you said that, and it's, it's true. It's it's awesome. It's great. But uh, there are many moments where you're just like, "Why am I doing this? And why? Like, why? What are we doing here?" So I feel you. I feel you there. It, it's like again, I still love it. Like the the weird like the weird places it's taken me. That that mm-hmm. fantasy curling thing was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. The first awesome. two article, the first two words of that article are Scott Chu. I've got yeah. it framed up. Like my wife gave it to me for Christmas. She framed it up, put a put it in our hallway so that every person that comes to my house is going to have to hear about it. But <laughs> like it's it's insane. Like I did, I I got to interview a pro curler named Colin Hodgson. He's an mm-hmm. awesome guy. Like we're friends now. It, it's it's amazing. That's like awesome. he's on TV like doing pro curling which I didn't even really realize existed outside of the Olympics until fairly recently. Um, and, and then at the same time, like I told her, I was like, Oh, I've got this episode. And like, she was interested in that because like he was like, he was sort of famous kind of, I was like, he's a pro curler. Oh, a pro curler. I didn't know that was a thing. I talked about the baseball stuff. She's like, uh, yeah, uh, exactly. You interrupted my show for this. Like, yeah. I thought I thought you nerded out like I thought you're supposed to be in your office getting all that out of your system. So when you come talk to me, you can talk about like what matters to every other person in the world, right? Like exactly. my dream still is for someone to be like, "Are you Scott Chu?" and not have it be like because the, they're giving me like a court summons or like <laughs> like something bad, right? Like just one day be like, or like. I'll be, you know, I'm at like I've been at airports a little bit lately. And I'm sitting there. I'm just like sometimes I'm looking at people's phones, being like. Are they on like? Are they on a side I write for? Like, are they on picture list? Or, or like, are they talking? Like, are they looking at something that like I know about? Right? Like, that would be so cool. Hasn't happened yet. Like, even though I look like this, like you guys can't see me right now, but I don't look like other people, and it hasn't happened for me yet. But maybe one day. Uh, but yeah, like, and even then, like, I'm sitting here, I'm staring. You know, we've got the little stream yard thing up, and at the bottom it says "Bench with Bubba, Episode 396." <laughs> Like that's a little intimidating, right? Like 396. Like I thought like people at work are like, oh, you do a podcast? How many? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I think I've done like, you know, 70 or so in my, you know, 100 in my career. I don't know. And I'm like, oh, this is episode 396 of one of Bubba's things, right? Like this is one of his projects. Or like, you know, I work with Justin Mason. I love Justin, but like you don't, you don't really like every time you think you work hard, like, oh yeah, but that that's you know, like it's, I work hard, but not like Justin Mason hard. Right. Like, I'm not he, he's a different animal. <laughs> so like, I mean, it's, it's so much fun. And like, it's, yeah. you know, 
I think, yeah, at the core of it is like, I wanted to talk to people about fantasy baseball and my friends and family were sick of it. So I started doing it on the internet, uh, you know, the crazy internet thing. So, uh, I love it. And I think if I could tell like people, one thing, if there's someone out there that you think is like too cool to talk to, I know that's not me. That's not what you guys think about me, but if there's someone out there that you think like, Oh, I don't know if I could talk to that person. They're like a big time fantasy baseball person. Just talk to them because we love it. I love getting a, a, a DM from a total stranger on Twitter. That's just like, Hey, I, I listen to the podcast. What do you think about this? I'm like, oh my god, you listen to my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, what? You know, there's dozens of people that have listened to the podcast, and you're one of them. Oh my yeah. god! Like, can I buy you a beer? Get over here. <laughs> exactly. No, Scott nails it there. It's like I, I've I'll respond to every DM. Like I I don't want like a million DMs at once, but I'll I'll get back to you. I get back to every DM. Like it's it's part of the deal. That's why we do it. And he nailed the, I've told people like uh, I've been on Nick Pollock um, and friends and a couple other kind of podcasts talking about why I started doing, like I was on Ben Palmer's podcast the other night uh, talking about it. And Four um, hours of your life. Yeah. And we talked about all kinds of good stuff, but uh, they, they asked the same question, like, why'd you start doing it? And you said it there. And what you said, it's, I love talking about baseball. I just want to talk to people about baseball. I love talking about baseball. That's why like, I said it to you before we started recording. I say it to pretty much every first time guest is let's just have fun. Let's talk about what we like to talk about. Let's talk about baseball. And when the show's over, the show's over. And I think it'll be a great show because we talked about what we love to talk about. And I think people listening can hear that. And that's why they keep listening. And that's kind of the idea of, of the whole thing. And that's why I got into doing podcasting. It took me a while to figure it out, but I wanted to be a broadcast guy someday. That was never going to be in the cards. Technology allows this to happen. So it's, it's pretty cool. My, my wife and son have listened to a grand total of like 20 minutes of one of my podcasts and it's, it's one. probably 20 minutes more than my wife. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but you know, I think the thing that was so great about it is they listened and, and all they really said was, wow, you really like baseball. I was like, that means it worked. Bingo. <laughs> means it worked. Yeah, yep. The message you, was clear then. <laughs> yep. You got my passion. That was the whole point of this whole thing. So I love it. Great answer. I, I think, I think Nick will appreciate that answer. I think he really will. So, Scott, before we head on out of here, as we wrap up the episode, remind everybody about all the work you have going on, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Yeah. So uh, the pro, you know the bulk of my written work is over at pitcherlist.com. Uh, I write the batter's box. It, you know The one I do comes out every Monday morning and it reviews the best hitters from Sunday, which means I get to talk about some guys I've never really heard of before because it's Sunday lineups, which is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, like Lars Newtbar had not heard of him until very <laughs> recently. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and then also I do a podcast with Pitcher List. It's called Hacks and Jacks. Hope you check it out. It's about a lot of stuff like this, right? Like not quite as structured. We haven't done 396 of them to uh, to get that kind of groove. But uh, Joe Galena and I, I have a lot of fun just talking about, you know, strategy and players and, and things like that. And then on Fridays, I record with Friends with Fancy Benefits uh, with the uh, the incredibly smooth, pleasant voice of Darius Austin, who's um, mm-hmm. over at Baseball Prospectus, because you know he's he's uh, you know he's from across the pond, so it's a great voice. So if, if for no other reason you listen, it's because he's really smart. Uh, he knows a lot about stolen bases, uh, particularly and other things, uh, and because his voice is great. And I'm just kind of there, like yelling at him uh, for you know bits of time, but still, it's a lot of fun. So check it out. Fridays uh, is when that one drops, and and that's about it. You can find me on Twitter at, at if the chew fits. Darius is awesome. I had him on after that first London series because I know he went to it and we talked about it and it was a great. Like I could, I I just sat back and let him talk. It was it was awesome. It was it was a great episode. So he's a great guy. Um, I'm glad he's. I know he took a break from Friends of Fantasy Benefits for a while because he was doing different things. So I'm glad he's back in the mix there as well. That's great to hear. But uh, everybody, make sure you check out Scott on Twitter. If the chew fits, you will not regret it. 
it's great content. I'm glad we finally uh, met up and recorded this podcast. It's uh, for me. I, I always have a list, and it's just sometimes my life gets crazy. And you've been on it for a while, so I'm glad we got to, to make this work. And um, I look forward to doing it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad I could be here for episode 396. I'm not over that number yet. So it's been an hour and 21 minutes staring at that number. I'm still not over it, but uh, but yeah, there it is. I'm glad I was here, right? It took less than 400 episodes. I'm I'm going places. I appreciate it. And hopefully we get you back uh, before 496. That'll be the goal. That'll be the goal on this one. We'll get you back before that. Yeah. But everybody, this is Bench with Bubba episode 396 with Scott Chu from Pitcher List. You guys have a good one.